0: And uh, welcome, what a great day to share together and to worship together and to praise our God together. I'm Pastor Ray Vigil, and we're glad to uh, share in uh, this time of worship and this time as we get rolling into the new year, right? We're into the new year now and things are going along and, uh, and things are also going to pick up and different things are going to happen. And so we've got to be ready, be prepared by getting our hearts and our lives ready and lifting up our praise to God. So uh, let's let's go to God in uh, in this time of worship. Let me invite you to stand and uh, join me in our call to worship. Divine Spirit, come upon us this day. Heal our brokenness and our desire for warring and fighting. Help us to be thankful for our own baptism and wash us fully in your forgiving presence. Right. Remain standing as we sing together. Praise the Lord. Praise to the Lord Almighty. Let's remain standing and bow our hearts together in prayer as we lift our voices as one in this invocation prayer. You have brought us, O God, to another Lord's day when we are privileged to worship you with our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we have unity of mind and heart as we open ourselves to the movement of your Holy Spirit. As your love grows within us, may we have rich fellowship with you and with one another. In Christ's name, amen. amen. You may be seated.
1: Good morning. I'm Pastor Lisa, and this morning I get to share one of our pegs with you. We, every week, give you an opportunity to see where you can connect to pray or engage or give or serve. Um, as, as fellows together in Christ's family. And this morning, I want to highlight for you, if you're here in person, there, there's a little flyer on your seats. If you're online, you can look on our website. We have some new classes that are beginning this week, um, including one that starts tomorrow called A Disciple's Path. Um, part of my job is to help to give you opportunities to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's on you to do that. And so you have several opportunities coming up this week. Tomorrow starts Disciples Path. Wednesday, I'll begin leading a class that is called um, Lose Control. Those of you who know me know that probably I'm the one that needs to hear that, right, to give it over to God and stop being so controlling. So that's on Wednesday mornings, um, both in person and on Zoom. Pastor Rafe will be beginning a class called Courage. And... um, All of these are great opportunities for you to connect in and to find out who Jesus Christ is and what that means to you and your relationship with him. So get more information online or um, on the little flyers that were handed out. And now I'd like to share a very special opportunity for us. We are going to listen to a special piece of music by Dan Dalman, And um, if you would warmly welcome him, he's very talented. What a beautiful way to worship this morning thank you if you bow your heads and pray with me oh god we come before you this day filled with praise and thanksgiving we come trusting in your power even as it is found in our weakness we trust in your wisdom even when it is expressed in something seemingly foolish in your wholeness even as it comes to us amidst our brokenness. We don't ask this day for dazzling displays of strength or amazing exercises of intellectual prowess or marvelous miracles. We come simply to worship you. Touch us this day, O Lord, sinners that we are, that we might become your saints, your body, your children, your Church. For this temple of your Holy Spirit is built not on our own abilities, our own knowledge, or our own skills, but on you and Jesus Christ. Open our hearts and minds to your presence amongst us here. May our worship this morning bring you honor and glory, for you alone are worthy of our praise. We ask all of this in your son's name who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you'll please stand and join us for our hymn, Breathe on Me, Breath of God.
0: be seated. The scripture today is from uh, Acts, Acts chapter 8, uh, beginning at verse uh, 14. These are wonderful words that happen in the activity of what's going on. It's called the Acts of the Apostles for a reason. These are the activities of the early church, but the activities have an ignition. They have something that starts them and that's the work of the Holy Spirit that is talked about in these words. When the word reached the apostles in Jerusalem that Samaria had accepted God's word, they commissioned Peter and John to go to Samaria. Peter and John went down to Samaria where they prayed that the new believers would receive the Holy Spirit. This was because the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Oh Lord, lay your hands on us. Lay your hands on us this day that we might receive the comfort, the healing, the ignition of the Holy Spirit that you desire for us today. Amen. And amen. So, I have this uh, uh, professor that I I really loved. His name was uh, Fred Craddock. And he told this uh, wonderful story of his early days in being a very young pastor in the uh, hills of eastern uh, Tennessee. Now, when I say his early days, he was my professor. 40 years ago, and so his early days of ministry were years beyond that. So we're talking like 75 years ago or so. And um, he's in the, uh, the hills of, of Tennessee, and he's gone there to pastor at this little place called uh, Oak Ridge. And he tells the story of this beautiful uh, rural uh, country church, you know, the white building that you see, you know, in, in paintings. And um, inside they had kerosene lamps, to light up the building and they had to get a young person to pump the pedals on the uh, organ to get the organ going uh, so that the musician could uh, could play. And it was just this beautiful idyllic setting. But around that time, power came. We're talking like electricity power, you know, coming through that whole movement in that part of history, uh, of U.S. history. And so with the power came all the workers. And so this little tiny town of Oak Ridge, all of a sudden was just inundated with this boom of people and economy and things happening and folks coming. And of course, the infrastructure wasn't built up for it, so folks are driving in with their vehicles and living in their vehicles or in tents or in campers or in RVs, any places they could because that's where the work was and they were finding work. And so the economy was booming, and people were coming in for work, and people were pouring in, and, and fields were being turned into RV camps and 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 trailer housing developments and stuff like that, and folks just pouring in. And so this uh, a professor friend of mine, as a young pastor, he, he said uh, one Sunday, he said, I need a couple of the leaders to stay and talk. We need to have a conversation about what's going on. And so he suggested, he said to them, he says, all these people are coming in. There's a boom here that's happening. We need to design a, a calling uh, program, a calling committee, and, and invite these folks to come and participate and let them know that they're, they're welcome. And the response immediately from one of the folks was, oh, pastor, I don't know if we want to be doing that. These are just you know, folks are going to be here for a short while. They're going to come and they're going to go as soon as the jobs are gone. You know, they're not like us. They're not from around here. So I don't, and so he says, but we still want them to feel welcome. We still want to invite them. And so it we went back and forth and they decided that the next week they would have a church meeting. So Sunday afternoon they had a church meeting. Not a meeting, a meeting. You know, they had a meeting. And at that meeting, as the meeting got started at the very beginning, well, one of the members stood up and says, I move that you, in order to be a member of this church, that you have to own property in the county. I second that motion, voted on and passed, even though the pastor was the one negative vote. And he was reminded that in the Methodist church, pastors don't get a vote. You know, <laughs> you know? and he was reminded that pastors move you know, and they don't own property in the county. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he tells that 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 heartbreaking story. Um, but he also, d- you know, when I got to know him, uh, the uh, the professor Fred Craddock, years later, as he told that story, he says, you know, my wife, wa- I wasn't married then, and so one day, you know, years later, I was going back through that area on our travels and recounted the story for my wife and wanted to go see if the church was still there and what was going on and how the church was doing and, and show her that beautiful white church there in, the, in that rural area. And so they found the, the county road and the little rural roads and went back into that area where the little church was and there it was, gleaming white building of a church just there. But things were different now. The parking lot was packed. The parking lot was absolutely full. It was motorcycles and trucks and cars and people milling about. And the place was just packed, and it was the middle of the week. And then they saw the big sign that said, Barbecue, all you can eat. And they were, they were hungry, so they decided to go in for dinner. And there were the pews pushed back up against the walls of the church. And the old pump organ was still there, off in the corner and the kerosene lamps were gone and new lights, had, electric lights had been brought in. And, uh, and he said to his wife, he says, well, it's a good thing this is a restaurant now or else all these people wouldn't be allowed here. You know, sometimes things just happen, right? The world just moves along and things get a little out of control And they get outside of our our box. You know, we understand the world in one way, and it's got to be inside this box. And I'm sure we've kind of felt like that for the last couple of years, that things have just gotten out of control, the whole COVID thing and how it's affected our lifestyles and our economy and our, our worries and our concerns and all that kind of stuff. And things just go crazy sometimes. They get out of control. But here's the thing. Things just kind of get even more out of control outside of our little boxes when the Holy Spirit gets involved God's power and God's presence the Holy Spirit gets involved all of a sudden all kinds of things can happen so a church that I was pastoring um, there was another church a neighboring Methodist Church on the on the north side of town and uh, this uh, church was uh, had been struggling for for a long time it was in a, a community that had been a working class kind of a blue-collar kind of community and the community had a lot of transition in it and and part of the housing had gone away and so the church was really kind of struggling good hard-working you know people that those blue-collar folks that work hard and and do good jobs and and learn trades and skills and so the church was there and it was struggling and the church had turned over a number of pastors in the years and the pastors had been uh changing out uh quite a bit and um some of their buildings had fallen into disrepair. In fact, there was one education building that wasn't used at all. And so, again, a new pastor came, and I, I knew this, got to know this pastor. We had uh, lunch together every week, and he was a second career guy. He had been a blue-collar worker himself, had been a mechanic and worked on things, and God called him, and he'd gone into the ministry, and now midlife, he's, he's now serving a church and pastoring after, after school and after finishing school. And so now he's in this, uh, at this church. The congregation is kind of dwindling, and the, the buildings are all in disrepair. And one day, out in town, somebody stops him and says, you're the new pastor at that church over there. And he says, yeah. And they said, well, I'm part of an AA group that needs a place to meet. Could we meet in one of your buildings? He said, well, the building's in disrepair. It doesn't really work. We'd have to fix up some things. But maybe we can do one room. And so... They do one, you know, room and the, the church and a couple of people, guys from the AA come together and they paint a room and make sure the plumbing is up to, s- up to speed so they can use the bathroom and the electricity and all that is working. It's this unused education building that's got nothing but classrooms, they get one classroom ready. And so the group starts to meet. Well, it wasn't long after the group started to meet that another group said, well, we need a, a place, can we use the room also at a different time? Okay. And that happened again, and that happened again, and that happened again. All of a sudden now, all these AA groups are coming together and working with the church to redo the entire building. In fact, what, all the rooms were redone, and all the electricity was redone, and the AA groups are investing in, in sweat equity in this, and now they've got more than 20-some-odd groups meeting every week in this old education building, and now they've started to come to church and they're part of the church community, in front of the, and now the church is growing. And so the church has to, has to have a place for them all to meet, and they've not been using their fellowship hall, and it's in disrepair, and it can't be fixed. And so they had this big meal out on the grounds, and they say, we're going to start a campaign, and we're going to start raising money to knock this building down and build a, a new fellowship hall. Well, the Holy Spirit got involved, because that night after the big dinner on the grounds, something went wrong with the electricity, In the attic, and the old insulation caught fire and burnt the whole building to the ground. Now, if you have a fire on the night after you launch a campaign to raise money for a new building, insurance is going to investigate. Yeah, (laughs) and they did. But a settlement was come to, and money was raised, and they built a new building, and all of a sudden, you know, there's 20 some odd AA groups in an education building, and the church is growing and the church is expanding. And this friend of mine, uh, who's the pastor there, now s- stayed there for 10, 15, 16 years, I think. And now, many years later, one of the pastors working there actually came out of the AA group came to know Jesus and went through school and became ordained and it's not the only one. And that church is one of our best examples of fresh expressions of ministry and worship and and how the church can explode under the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just gets outside of our boxes, outside of our our framework of understanding. And the world just begins to explode and the Holy Spirit just gets going. That's exactly what was happening in the Acts of the Apostles, particularly in this story that we read today from Acts chapter 8. When Jesus was, uh, was resurrected and, uh, and he was ascending into heaven, one of the last things that he said to his apostles to those good Jewish boys that had been following him, he said, remain in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. That's in Acts chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Wait for the Holy Spirit and it, we know how the story goes right they waited for the holy spirit the day of pentecost came tongues of fire came down they spoke in many languages so there was that miracle then there was the the holy spirit moving in people's ears and they were hearing and receiving the word and all of a sudden the word began to spread and this great community began to to grow up there in Jerusalem among the leadership of the of the good jewish boys that had been following jesus and the uh, the apostles were leading this this ministry and this work, they became known as the people of the way, the way of Jesus. They were still Jews. They were still following Jewish practices. They were there in Jerusalem, which is the, you know, the head center of that Jewish faith. But there were these people that were following after the way of Jesus Christ under this power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what they knew, and this is what they understood. But then they heard that something was happening in Samaria how in the world and why in the world would the Holy Spirit work in Samaria? Because, you know, good Jews don't like those Samaritans. We kind of got a hint at that when Jesus told the story about the good Samaritan, because no Jew would ever have thought a Samaritan could be good and kind, but they were. And so how in the world would God show up to the Samaritans, the Holy Spirit work in those, those Samaritans? Because, you know, the Samaritans, what it was is that the Samaritans like to play both sides of the coin. When... The Jews were being oppressed by an imperial government that had come over. The Samaritans say, "Oh no 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 no, we're not like them. We live over here. We kind of do our own thing, and so we're not really that Jewish. You know, we're not like them." And when the, the Jewish community was thriving in Jerusalem and things were going well, the Samaritans would say, "Oh yeah yeah, we're good Jews. We worship Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and that's where we worship. They just didn't go to Jerusalem to do it. They did it in their their own little places and their own little things." And course, the good conservative Jews said, well, they're not doing it right, and they're over there, and so, you know, and so there's that animosity that, that builds up, but now these followers of Jesus are finding out something's happening over there. What could happen? How in the world would they find out? So they sent Philip first. They sent Philip over there. Philip didn't come back. He just kept preaching. He just kept spreading the word. He just kept doing stuff. How in the world was Philip, something was happening before Philip, how did the Samaritans find out? The, we have a story of Jesus walking through Samaria, traveling through there. He stopped for a rest at a well, and he engaged a woman in conversation, and her life changed, so much so that she became a an evangelist and went into town and told everybody that about what Jesus had done for her, and they came running out of town to Jesus, and they met Jesus. And so we have at least one town in Samaria we know of that was transformed by the presence of, of Jesus. And now Philip has gone there, and and he's working with that and things are happening. And so what happens now is that the the apostles who understand things from a Jewish perspective from Jerusalem where they were told to wait for the Holy Spirit and they received the Holy Spirit and they're doing their stuff in their box. Well, we got to send now the big guys, the big guns over there. we got to send Peter and John because up to this point, that's what the book of the Acts of the Apostles has been about. It's about... The work of Peter and John. And Peter and John go out there to find out what's going on, and all they did was throw gas on the fire. You know, let's put lay hands on them and give them the Holy Spirit. And things just began to take off and began to be out of control. The rest of the book of Acts is about other apostles and other folks traveling, about Paul uh, and Peter and Barnabas and others that begin to go all over the place and all over around the Mediterranean, and the, just, the Holy Spirit just got involved. But, you know, those good Jewish boys would have loved to stay for it to stay in control, you know, right there in Jerusalem, right inside their box, but the Holy Spirit just got everything going everywhere, and they went all over the place. It's out of control. The Holy Spirit has gotten out of the box, outside of the box, moving beyond our understanding. We would love for the Holy Spirit to be a little more predictable and dependable, something that we could count on and plan on and work with, you know, because we understand it and we get it. We would love for the Holy Spirit to be trained, you know domesticated a little bit so that we can we can work with it controllable understood but the holy spirit just won't stay in the box it just gets out there so i'm serving this church as a pastor on the west coast of florida in that beautiful area where Tampa Bay and Manatee River and all that comes together and inland a bit, they're growing your tomatoes and your strawberries, you know, that we love to eat here in Florida. And so there's a lot of people around that area who've come there to pick your tomatoes and your strawberries, and so that you have that. So folks coming from all over the world and all different kinds of places. And so as I'm pastoring there in that area, this is a number of years ago when the United Methodist Church of Florida had this plan for ministry among our immigrant communities, particularly Hispanic ministry. And so we have this plan and designation and people in place to do this ministry among the Hispanics. And and I'm put on a local team in our area to do the planning and the work for this uh, ministry to the Spanish-speaking community in our area. And we get a, a director, someone designed to head that up. And they actually got office space on the property of the church where I was serving. And so the heading up of that work is right there on my property. And we're doing that work. And we um, pinpoint somebody who can be a pastor uh, with me in my congregation um, who speaks Spanish. Well, not only did he speak Spanish, couldn't speak anything else but Spanish. And um, his wife could speak a little English. His children did all the translating. And he came to pastor a Spanish speaking community in uh, the church where I was serving. And so Sunday evenings, they began a worship service. Immediately 20, 25 people there. Then there's 30. Then there's 40. Then there's 50. And this ministry is going along. We've got it planned. We've got it all worked out. Sunday evening services. I've enjoyed going there. They got musicians and things happening. And and dinners that they do on, on occasion, and folks coming in. We've got the director of the area ministry uh, there on our site, and, and things are beginning to happen in other places. We, we make visits to our sister church in Cuba, and uh, like we have the sister church uh, in Cuba here at New Horizon. So we're part of that ministry and part of that work. And, and things are just going along well-planned and well-organized and, and good things happening. And then that pastor who came to work with me, No one asked him to do this. He decided to go out to a migrant camp. Go out there and talk to them. And he kept going out there. And the next thing you know, there's a Bible study going on. And then he's teaching and he's discipling folks. And folks are coming to to know Jesus and the group out there is, is growing. And then... He discovers that these people who are picking all the vegetables that we love to eat are actually hungry because they're not making enough money to buy the food for their families. And not only are they hungry, but there are children who are in school, but they're not going to school. And the reason they're not going to school is because they don't have shoes. Literally stories of families having one pair of shoes and this child goes on Monday and wears the shoes, and this child goes on Tuesday because they wear the shoes, and this child goes on Wednesday because they wear the shoes. Now, you can guess what happens when you tell a Methodist church that we have children in the community who don't have shoes, right? You know exactly what happened right away, right? All of a sudden, now the church is in shoe business, right? And we're getting shoes, and we're getting clothes, and you know, all these things are beginning to happen in the church, and and reaching out to them. And, and this pastor is still going out there and doing Bible studies and leading folks. And, fo- and the school has now got more students in the schools and we're partnering with the schools to, to help them out and reach the, this immigrant community and these migrant workers that are coming in. And lo and behold, before you know it, my whole Thanksgiving week, my whole week of Thanksgiving is bound up in finding freezers, and warmers and coordinating food and distribution for a big event in the field on Thanksgiving Day to feed four to 500 immigrants and migrants and have food and books and shoes and clothes so that all the kids can go to school. And we bringing in trailers that have sound systems and stage so that we can have worship out there where they are, all in Spanish, All for hundreds of people. And, you know, that's not how us good USA Americans spend our Thanksgiving Day. We eat and we nap in front of a football game. But now that's what I'm doing the whole week. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just gets out of control. It gets outside of the box. You know, and the Holy Spirit comes and something happens. When Jesus came up out of the water on his baptism, it says the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove, and it drove him. It drove him to his wilderness, to his temptation, to his time of fasting and prayer, to his ministry. It drove him to finding followers and and choosing apostles that would follow him. It drove him to this ministry and this work. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and it drove these apostles to the work of proclaiming the word. The Holy Spirit came on those in Samaria. And apostles and and speakers of the word were spread all across the globe. Sometimes the Spirit just gets outside of our box. And I wonder what the Spirit's going to do in this place, at this time. Amen. Amen. Most gracious God, may your spirit move. And Lord, that's truly our prayer. We pray for your spirit to move and bring us comfort, to bring us guidance to bring us uh, purpose and direction. We pray for your Holy Spirit to come and and, and come into our lives and give us a clarity of direction. Lord, we also know that when your Spirit comes, it comes as a fire that burns. It comes as a power that moves. It comes as a a force that sends, sends us out. Lord, help us, help us to be a part of what you are doing through the movement of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's respond to God in song and sing of that spirit, of spirit of the living God. Go now with the uh, comfort and the prodding of God's Spirit as it rests on us. Go now to serve. Go now to give. Go now to pray. Go now to engage in the work of God's kingdom. Amen and amen. Amen.